Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, after losing eight in a row, the Buffalo Sabres closed out their 2022 by going 11-3-2, winning their last six games, capping the year off with Saturday's electric 4-3 overtime victory against the Boston Bruins. Alex Tuck scored the game winner as part of his two-goal-to-assist night in what was maybe his best game as a Sabre. Dylan Cousins was also phenomenal in this game on both ends of the ice with a goal and an assist on Alex Tuck's game winner, which started with him forcing a turnover against none other than Patrice Bergeron UPL continued pretty good player streak. pretty good yeah UPL continued his streak of strong play with 37 saves notably five of which came on a nearly two minute five on three in the third period UPL's incredible run here after his rocky start is going to make the goaltending situation very interesting once Eric Comrie is ready to return after his conditioning stint but the fact remains that UPL belongs on this team and based on his recent play is the guy best equipped to help this team win night in and night out. Taylor, your thoughts on Saturday's win, both the game itself and in the big picture of where this lands and recent Sabres wins. So, yeah, the, you pretty much laid it all, all out there. It's uh, It was a really encouraging win the way they, they obviously blew the lead in the third period. There was a couple stupid penalties there in the last five minutes and they didn't have much time left. So to see them win uh, after being down in the final two minutes, unbelievable play by Darlene kind of saved from an empty net goal. And then the pass tuck shot celebration. And I think you could see, obviously it's an exciting moment, but I think you could see in those moments, how much those guys care about each other. You also, before that in the game, you have Peyton Krebs trying to step up to, uh, I guess defend defend the team from huge uh, moment. I, I yeah. thought that was that's huge for him not being I never that kind of a guy. Hundred percent, yeah. I, we've seen Cousins fight. I don't. I don't think we've seen Krabs fight before, and uh, not really his forte. But he did it anyway. And like I said, we're not huge fighting guys, but I think fights are better. You know, if they're organic, I don't. They can sometimes be good. I mean, they're entertaining. I don't know if they should be allowed to happen, but as long as they are, there's some situations where it makes sense. Uh, and. And in general, like the overtime, the Sabres, I thought, dominated overtime. They really had the Bruins on their heels after they scored that tying goal and obviously get the winner in overtime, which is really cool. Huge night for Tuck. Four-point game, like you said, and that just makes me think we've talked a lot about Skinner and Tage, so I want to talk about the whole first line for a second. Tuck looks like he has a real look at being a point-of-game player this year. I liked him as a player when they uh, traded for him and the way he looked last year immediately. I never thought he'd be a guy that had to get, like, a point of game to be a useful player, a good part of that trade. So it's a real nice, like, it's almost like kind of found money. Cause so they kind of thought they traded for like a second line, a uh, 60 point guy who was really good two ways and a good leader. And he had a bonus from Buffalo. Now he's like an all-star level player, basically yep. Skinner last year. He 
found his scoring mojo again. He scored 34 goals or something like that last year after two really bad scoring years. And this year, so I would say in general, not just this year, but the second half of last year into this year has also been good at setting up his line mates. He averaged almost a point a game for the calendar year of 2022. And Tage Thompson, after his breakout last year, finished the calendar year 2022 with 99 points. That's the most for any saver since Alex McGillney in 92-93. Sorry, not 92-93, obviously. The calendar year of 1993. So really unbelievable all the way around on the first line. And for the second part of your question, recent wins, uh, we did talk about the Tampa game that got to uh, postponed because of the storm that was supposed to be December 23rd. And what an opportunity that was for the Sabres to stake their claim as a real contender in the league, not just a, an up-and-coming team, not just a team that's scoring some goals. And unfortunately, that opportunity was taken away from them. They didn't play for 10 days, but they won their first game back. And then this Bruins win. Now, the Bruins... You may or may not have heard, we're 28-4-3 coming into this game. They did and still do have a legitimate look at the regular season wins record. It's a strong possibility. They have Allmark, our old friend, potential Vesna winner. Yep. Bergeron, as good as he's ever been. Marshawn's back. Pasternak's great. McAvoy. And they have depth. They don't throw any bums or pozos out in the ice. They And even guys like... like People have been talking about like being happy with DeBrusque this year. Like he was great for them down the people. stretch last year. Yeah. So anyway, the Bruins are really good. They've they're probably gonna win the president's trophy. That's part of the reason why it's such a great win. The other part of it is that with the games the Sabres have in hand, that puts them in a real nice position to really compete for a playoff spot. I'm looking right now, they're the first team out, even though they in the wild card, even though they have all these games. They're sorry, they uh, they're basically right in the wild card, despite the fact that they have, you know, three fewer games played than most of these teams, four in some cases. Right. And they're still, to me, the highest scoring team in the league because they have fewer games to play. They're one behind Boston, but Boston has like two games in hand. So I, it got me thinking about that. When's the last time the Sabres had a win like that? That was like, oh, that's a big win. That's a, that's a good win. And my first thought, even though it didn't end up being an actual big win, was beating San Jose in 2018 in overtime in Buffalo. I believe you were there. It was, it was the 10th straight win. It was the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, maybe, or maybe it was the next week after Thanksgiving around. It was like the end of November. Yeah. You know what? It was a weekday. It was a week after Thanksgiving, 10th straight win, best record in the NHL overtime win where Jeff Skinner scored, I believe building erupted didn't end up mattering, but at the time it felt like something before then though, I was like, damn, they don't really have them. Because they were never close to anything in any of those years. They had fun games and games that were encouraging. So I thought, shit, you got to go back all the way to 2012 when they were really in the playoff race. So this is a game I thought of. I don't know if you remember it. Third last game, 2011-12. Sabres are in the hunt for a playoff spot, but they need to win out. They fall down, I I believe, in Toronto. They fall down three in the first period. They're losing 3 nothing to Toronto. They come back and get two more. Toronto makes it 4-2. to and then I believe it's five to three at one point. Sabres score two late goals. Derek Roy scores to win in overtime. I believe there's some kind of big Tim Connolly mistake that happened somewhere in there. Mm. He was a unmade belief at the time. Sabres win, stay alive, I huge win against that. a big rival. Wow. And then stupidly, oh my God, this is so stupid. Like the next game was against Philadelphia. They're tied late. There's like a stupid penalty and friggin' Matt Reed scored. 
the final couple minutes to give Philadelphia the lead. And that kicked off the Sabres playoff drought, Matt Reed. And before that, if you want to get to one that actually ended up mattering, really, you have to go back to the end of the 2010-2011 season where the Sabres had a, a torrid stretch at the end of the year to make the playoffs. I believe they finished 16-4-4 or something like that. There's a couple games here I think you could choose from. That they went all the way from like the 11th place to the seventh seed or 12th place to the seventh seed between February and the end of the year. They closed that with a win over the Blue Jackets, but I think really what you're looking at is the games before that. Two of them in particular, they beat Carolina in overtime, and I believe they were fighting for a playoff spot with Carolina. Mm-hmm. They beat Philadelphia in the penultimate game, also in overtime, 4 3. Uh, Philadelphia, they were not competing with. Philadelphia was winning their division, but that was a big win. So the other one I remember being at, I'm looking at now the thrashers was at home. Yes. They beat the thrashers eight to two in March. And that was a big, like, Oh wow. Wait, are, are we actually going to do this thing? Cause believe it or not, they were fighting with the thrashers for a playoff spot too. Like the thrashers were right in there and they lost in overtime after that, but then they closed out three wins lost to the Maple Leafs. I don't remember that. And then win overtime loss, and then four straight wins in the year, including those Carolina and Philadelphia games. That's it. That's the last stretch of games where I'm like, those games specifically mattered. And those were huge. It was selling out. Arena was super loud. People were excited. Beginning of the Pagula era. I don't have to tell you, friend, that in the spring that'll be 12 years ago. You don't so, have to tell me that. I, I don't want to know that. I want to hear that. So it's in, in terms of the last 12 years since since these wins. The only ones are staving off elimination with a really fun comeback against Toronto, a bad Toronto team, I should say, or is it a November win that really it turned into uh, ashes in our mouths because the Sabres ended up being uh, basically the worst team in the NHL from December 1st on that year. So, so yeah, this is, it's nice. It's nice to have a nice uh, late December win against the best team in the league. And it doesn't feel like a one-off. It feels like a continuation of something that's going on. Absolutely. I think if anything, it just, again, it's, it's a further building block and another step in the right direction leading into the new calendar year. And really at, at this point where this team goes right now, it's not only up to them and the continued play, but I think the other thing we have to talk about and that we have to keep talking about is making an addition to this team to, send a message to this group and saying, we believe in you guys. You have put the work in, you have developed, you've bought in, you've done everything we've asked of you. Now here is this really shiny new piece. And I think it has to be at the blue line at this point. I mean, you're scoring a lot right now. Like you're getting a lot out of your top six. Everybody is just continuing to step up. You're getting quality secondary play too. I mean, we just, of course, he's had a very, very rocky year, but like, Kyle Pozo scoring that hat trick against Detroit. Like great to see, you know, Peyton Krebs getting in the lineup and he's making differences in a variety of different ways. You know, you're getting a, a little bit of better uh, play, I guess, out of Casey Middlestad over this recent stretch too. I don't, you know, he's not been lighting the world on fire or anything, but he's hasn't looked as uh, pitiful as he did. We'll call it like two or three weeks ago and everything prior to that. But it's a step in the right direction. But again, I want to go back to this point though, of the, the need, I think for them to really consider having to make a move here. I think that you're also seeing a lot more holes on defense than 
you would be hoping for at this stage of the game, at this point in the season. But again, given their off season moves and their lack of addressing the position aside from Labushkin, which before it was, is Labushkin like playing while he's not healthy and now it's, he's healthy and he's still looking bad. So you need to do something there, I think. And you need to just add another key piece to the puzzle on that blue line. And I think that's going to make all the difference. Obviously goaltending is a big thing too, because when it also comes to UPL, I think that's the other question is what's going to happen with Eric Comrie with he, with him coming back, as I had mentioned in the intro, uh, do we trust that this stretch that we've been getting from UPL is going to be sustained or is it worthwhile to gauge what the goalie market is and see if, that's a move you have to make. I don't think that is the, the case at this point. I think you need to keep riding UPL. But again, there's just a lot of questions of like, there needs to be some move that needs to be made, I think, to just something that's impactful. Because when was the last time that they really did something like that? Like an in-season move that like really was a signal of being like, this matters. We are going all in on this. Well, they Even a lot of the ones that they were the good weren't era. necessarily impactful ones. Right. The Botchel era, famously, they didn't do that. They added... Right. Michael Froelich, right? God. Uh, and that's it in season. They added Wayne Simmons, but th- they were kind of selling at that point. I don't know what the point of Wayne Simmons was. Yeah, God, I, I don't know in season because they haven't really been in a position to make a serious playoff push. Like from February on, they kind of were in 1920. They're in the fringe of contention, but not – not in any they didn't do it they didn't they didn't make that move so i guess that's part of what you're saying besides that after like february 1st like look at 1819 i don't know that when they d- decided they weren't going to be a playoff team it was definitely before the deadline uh and they had shit before that they were it was never even a consideration so you'd have to go back shit well, you can't even say it was a darcy era they didn't make good moves to add like they made they added like dominic moore steve bernier rafi torres Brad boys, your boy. I don't even remember what they did. No, 506, 0607. They got Ty Conklin and Dinah Zubris. Dinah Zubris is probably the best player they traded for in season in the past 20 years. I mean, 01, is it 01 when they traded for like Steve Hines? Is it, could it really be? I don't know what else it would be. Yeah, I mean, at least for when they were in contention, because they made because the Briere move, the Briere and Gratton trade, that was in season, but they that wasn't like a we're competing move. That was more of like a we're selling move, kind of. Yeah, I mean, that was oh three, so they were like far out of a playoff spot. It wasn't like that was a future move. I think it was. Yeah, so good trade. Is it really Steve Hines? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking back in 01, it's when they brought some old guys back, so they, in Pekka sat out the year. So they had Gilmore, mm-hmm. but did they, I think they had him all year. I think they had Andrew Chuck all year. I think they had Audette all year. They brought back all those old guys at the same time. And then, yeah, they traded for Steve Hines. Uh, that's I've, To me, that's that's it. Steve Hines is a good move. I don't even know if, was Steve Hines like a, that big of a deal though before was he like a bigger deal than like I know he was really good when he got here but wasn't that kind of a surprise I honestly don't know that's a great question let's let's take a look see take a look back here he was that was a it was a fun stretch run I gotta say 2001 unfortunate ending in the second round what are you gonna do so 
Not really, honestly. I mean, his career high prior to the 2000 and 2001 season, which was split between Buffalo and Columbus, was 46 points, and that was in 1997-1998. He ended up putting up 54 points in 2000 and 2001, and with the Sabres, he put up 12 points in 14 games down the stretch after they made the move. That's good. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good ride. He's really high all time in the Sabres' uh, points per game category in like Sabres history, which is very funny to me. He also put up seven points in the playoffs between yeah. the uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia series. So I'm going to call that though, the best Sabres in-season acquisition of my lifetime, Steve Hines. Don't we love it, folks? I don't because I'm not going to count Briere because that season it didn't matter. Right. That's just so depressing. Yeah, you know what? The other one is, if I'm gonna count, if I I wouldn't count Briere. The other one would be like Alex Tuck. Different, totally different yeah. circumstance though. But yeah, no, that's fair. So the guy with the, the last time they were like, we want to make the playoffs, we want to make noise. Let's get a guy. The best ones have been like Steve Hines, Dinosubris. Is that what we're saying? In the last it two, is two exactly decades? what we're saying. Yeah, Tuck and Briere really do not apply at all. It's almost the same situation in a way. Interesting. Obviously not like the exact same in terms of the quality of player going out, but more so that you're making a move for a guy not really with it with that current season in mind, especially considering the fact that when they made the trade, Tuck was still hurt. And it wasn't until, what, three months later that he actually ended up even taking uh, touching the ice for them? Less than three months, I would say. Two months, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what. When did the trade happen? December? Was it in October. Oh, October. Wow. Earlier was than it? I thought. Wasn't I thought so. Number? Yeah. And then he was back on the ice in at the end of the of December, wasn't he? Uh yeah, it makes kind of sense. Wow, November 4th? Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. No shit. I thought I mean I I wasn't thinking it was like the first week of October or anything like that, but that's I didn't realize it was into November. Okay. Anyways, hopefully that's something that they can say. I mean, do you think that that's something they need to do right now, or do you think that staying put is the move? Well, no, I think it really depends what's available. I, I think they should be looking to compete this year. They can make the playoffs. They basically have the opposite of what they had in eighteen nineteen. I would say. In eighteen nineteen, they had the best record in the league December 1st. As we've talked about, they were getting very lucky. And when teams get lucky in the first half or first quarter of the season, there's a lot of people that want to point out that they're going to regress, obviously. And there's always the point that's made that the wins you have now are banked. So you don't have to be this good the rest of the year to make the playoffs. You have to be X amount of good. Can you do that? Right? The Sabres have the opposite of that. The Sabres have played better than their record. I know that would be controversial, but when they were losing, they were not – they were losing close games. They haven't been good in close games this year. They've lost close games. It could be luck. It could be something else. Uh, but those losses are banked. So what I think is you have some room to to make up ground, but you also have the ability to do it. They have the talent to do it. And now their goaltending has even been solid. So I think, yeah, I think you really should be trying to find help there. If it's something as simple as like get one other good defender so you don't have to play like Fitzgerald or whoever. Something like that. Or maybe spell Lachushkin if he has any problems. Although I think in general, I don't think he's going to be in the in the press box. 
the problem with making big moves, like so let's say a chicken trade, is NHL GMs are super annoying and they're super reticent to trade during the season. That's why it's always a big deal when there's like, oh, there's a trade in December. What is that allowed? It's like, yeah, they they hate that. They they trade in the two weeks before the deadline. They trade the two weeks around the draft, and that's it. They're like, I don't want to have to do my job for the rest of the year. And so, like, it's hard to it's hard to get these done. And when you're in Arizona's position, because I think that's the main guy a lot of people, uh, Sabres fans are interested in, us included. It's like, yeah, is Arizona really going to just take a trade because they, they want to trade in, in early January? Or are they going to wait till someone gets desperate at the draft? They have no real pressure to trade. They also just keep them. I don't know why they're not keeping them. But, yeah, they they are, they know that they, they held all the cards there. And they could just... Oh, you, you don't want to give us what we want? We'll just we'll wait till June. So I'm, you know, I'd be hesitant to give up too much to get him. But yeah, I'm sure there's other guys out there. It, it's always hard to judge these things because maybe Adams really isn't doing anything. Maybe he's just sitting on his hands, like this team's good enough. Well, let's see what happens. Or maybe he's making calls left and right, and he just can't get done. Uh, can't get the, the deal that he needs to get done. And that's, yeah, it takes I, I want to say, I want to say too, by me bringing up saying that they need to make a move, I don't think that it necessarily has to be of the level of a guy like Checker. And I think that to be fair, they also though are in the position, the unique position, I should, I should say, where they can make a move like that happen, given the assets they have available that they could and probably should be willing to move to acquire a guy like that who's that level of a difference maker. But I don't think it has to be to that degree. I think it could be a quality second pairing, like just like a steady, steady second pairing guy. If you can yeah. find that just, you know, because people bring up uh, with which rightfully so that power is a defenseman that you can just play anybody with him, which is absolutely fair. And that's a great thing that we have the luxury of that, but for this team to actually be good and to be over the top, we can't be scraping at the bottom of the barrel and saying, well, power can just make, you know, anybody work next to him. Well, like, no, let's actually get somebody who maybe can make him better too. Not just somebody that he has to consistently make better. hundred percent. And that also means that if power is playing with someone else, that this guy doesn't just go off and have to play with like Jacob Bryson. And then it's like, Whoever we're talking about, Casey Fitzgerald, Jacob Bryson, eventually you have to have a third pair. And you kind of want someone good on your third pair, someone solid, not not like good, good, because if they were good, good, they wouldn't be on your third pair. But someone solid, someone you can rely on and trust. That means you need more than like two good defensemen, <laughs> three, three. They have three good defensemen. Yeah. But I I wish they could rely on Luchushkin more. Sure. I wish Larry Pilot was better than I thought he was going to be this year. But man, I, some of these guys, I don't know. It's, that's the only real problem I have with the team is like, oh, huh. Like I'm, I'm genuinely excited when I see Kale Clegg sometimes like, oh, thank God he's here. I don't have to see Casey Fitzgerald. (laughs) Oh my God. I, it will be a welcome sight when we don't have to worry about Casey Fitzgerald being on the ice for them anymore. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it's. One other uh, thing we should probably talk about goaltending, huh? Not not bad these past UPL, probably almost man. month or so. It's it's easy for all of us to get ahead of ourselves, and I think pretty much everybody did because UPL was looking pretty rough, and even in games where he was winning, there were still questionable goals that were being let up. But boy, oh boy, if you wanted to make a statement kind of win, 
not only for the team, but for really him and solidifying himself to being a guy that needs to be on this team moving forward. That was it. You couldn't have asked for anything more there. I was so impressed with how he played, with the poise in which he played going up against a team like Boston, the best team in the NHL. And now look where we are. And it's it's great to see. And it's exactly what we need from him right now. When we were coming into this season, one of the the storylines that you and I were really talking about was going to be a a big underlying thing was how UPL was going to perform this year, both at the AHL level, of course, but when he eventually ended up getting, you know, when he would get his shot with Buffalo because of the fact that you presumably have Levi coming next year to Rochester and who knows if it's, you know, a year or two, a year, maybe two years, you know, before he ends up being ready to make the jump, but the clock was ticking for UPL and it took some time and, you know, maybe it was just getting accustomed and up to speed and just, you know, being able to just get, I guess, a little bit more settled in and and gaining some confidence while you're at it too. But he's done that. He has settled in. He has been a, pretty steady presence for this team. He'll still let up the sketchy goal here or there, but by and large, you got to be so happy with what we've been seeing. And again, the poise that he showed during that win against Boston and being able to stand tall against the offensive firepower that they have props to UPL, man. I'm I'm excited to see what he can keep doing. And if he can continue this strong stretch of play. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we were, I, I was almost ready to give up on him like a month ago. Yeah. Uh, just because it wasn't just because he had a few bad NHL games. He just hadn't been good enough in the AHL for me to really think that his NHL game was going to turn around. So I'm uh, I'm thrilled to see with how he's played. I, I'm even thrilled with how Craig Anderson's played recently. Yeah. I guess it's kind of uh, inconvenient now that Comrie comes back. They have really no choice but to give Comrie so, a, some time. Like they've made a two-year commitment. He's on an NHL contract. Uh, so that's, they have to basically g- yeah. give this guy a little bit of a, a shot. So, Hey, maybe he'll be good too. Then that's a good problem to have having three goalies, but people say though, you know, you have three goalies, you really have no goalies, right? That's what the old timers say. That's what they say. Yeah. Should we hear a word from our sponsors. We should hockey fans. Light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game. You get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. Now for our second sponsor, Thin Man Brewery. Two locations uh, in the city of Buffalo on Elmwood Avenue and Chandler. This week, uh, when it comes to Thin Man, we're talking about the Brew Deck. It's an event space that was recently remodeled on the third floor at Elmwood Thin Man. And if you've ever been up there, folks, you probably haven't. Just recently remodeled, like we said. Big news about that space. Starting in mid-January, so just a couple weeks, it'll be available to rent out. So this is a perfect spot for having a fantasy draft in any sport, private parties, 
celebration, you know, graduation party, promotion party, engagement parties, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, you want to just rent it out with a bunch of people to watch a hockey game? Maybe. Maybe we do that someday. You can record podcasts up there if you want. Anyone have a, a cool podcast about, like, American history or, like, uh, old movies or uh, The Bills or about the 2011-12 Charlotte Bobcats? Any of those podcasts, welcome. Anything I else to for. <laughs> I think he was gone by then, sir. Shit. How dare you? Sorry. Shout out Boris Diaw. Uh, <laughs> so, hey, if you're interested, if this interests you, renting out this uh, third floor, I'm with Thin Man, give them a call. They'll have more details for you. Anyway. I so want to say, to your point about holding like a fantasy draft there, we should hold our football dynasty rookie draft there we should that could be cool yvonne of course is a part of the league lots of pals a part of the league our man yeah. kevin nt rider kevin nt rider huckle buckets buffalo you coward what'd you say come to buffalo you coward that's what i'm saying get in the city what are you doing you think the listeners would be interested in hearing that uh, our Dynasty Fantasy Championship is going on and I'm getting annihilated? No way. Yeah, I actually do think that. They would love to know. Well, you had the upset of the year. So for those of you listening, so Kevin's team went undefeated in the regular season for our fantasy football team, or our football league. And Taylor, in the most improbable of victories, ends up upsetting him in the semifinals, and what do you mean? You're not getting crushed right now. Oh, yeah, you are, actually. Okay. Yeah, I'm not getting crushed right now, but uh, for the listeners at home, I actually am having a pretty good week. I think Brendan can attest to that. The only thing that would be hurting me is Kirk Cousins is playing right now, and yeesh, bad first quarter by that fella. Here's the thing, though. I'm on pace for, like, 150 points, good week. I'm on pace to lose by 60 because uh, someone who will not be named – has Mike Evans and Danny Dimes in their team. I never thought my life would come to an end this way, getting crushed by Mike Evans and Danny Dimes. Mike Evans putting up 56 points, no less. Brutal. Say Absolutely his name, brutal. Jonah. Congratulations, Jonah. We mm-hmm. love it. Jonah yeah. plays bass in my cover band, Slow Animals, and he came in second this year in the regular season, and oh boy. The projection right now, folks, for those listening at home, is Taylor will have 154 and Jonah will have 210. All right. Well, congrats, Jonah. I'm calling it right now. You won. <laughs> I will say, though, I think I may have brought this up in a recent episode. I'm going to be looking real, real good next year because I went full on tank mode and I hold the first, third, fourth, and sixth pick in the draft. Uh, for those listening at home, he's actually traded two of those picks for uh, Evander Kane and uh, Robin Leonard. So not as good as he thought he was looking. Well played. Well played. Well, Taylor, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off for the day? Um, No. Happy New Year, by the way, man. Oh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all the listeners. Thanks for listening yeah. to us for all of 2022. This is our... Ready for this? This is our seventh year doing a podcast together. It is. is it really? Yeah, it depends how you count. Yeah, it's 17, 18, 19, 20, 
21, 22, 23. Also, speaking of exciting things that are happening this week, Taylor, you have a big day coming up this week, January 6th, your favorite day of the year. It's my, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a certain birthday. It's also a certain, uh, you know, it's an interesting time on the calendar. Got to say, but most importantly, it's my birthday. It's Taylor's 30th birthday, everybody. Our little insurrectionist baby. <laughs> 30 <laughs> no. years old. Make I sure was everybody 28 on- when that happened. I, I was not a baby, in fact. It was in spirit, though. I was reborn that day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, everyone, oh, make man. sure you wish Taylor a happy birthday on Friday. We'll talk about your real patriots only. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode of straight up Sabres presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently listening to, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. Also make sure you're leaving us a nice little rating or review and make sure you are following or subscribe to straight up Sabres. Also, check out the presenters on social media. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Last but not least, make sure you're checking out both of the sponsors of this podcast. First, we have DraftKings. Make sure you're using that promo code THPN at checkout. And Thin Man Brewery, the presenting sponsor of Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you're heading over to Thin Man and taking advantage of their great event spaces, their great meals, their great drinks, everything and anything. Get over to Thin Man. You will enjoy it. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Sabres.